Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and today I'm joined by the Daily Records, David McCarthy and Andy Newport. We're going to look back on an emotional week for the club with the passing of legendary boss Walter Smith on Tuesday at the age of 73. Uh, That made a very emotional build-up coming on the eve of the game against Aberdeen on Wednesday night. Rangers held to a a 2-2 draw. Boys, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, thanks. Very well. Thanks for having us, Gav. First of all, as I said, you know, Walter Smith's passing on Tuesday, such a huge figure, not just at Rangers, but in, in Scottish football in general. Um, that must have hit, well, it obviously did hit everyone hard at the club, including the manager, Stephen Gerrard. You saw his interview where he was uh, clearly very emotional. Then they had to play a game, you know, 24 hours later. Davey, Stephen Gerrard said today that that didn't have, it wasn't going to make any excuses. You look at the tribute to Walter Smith, you know, last night. Um, do you think that would have affected the players and in terms of the whole atmosphere? What do you think going into the game? I definitely think that it would have had an effect. I mean, Stephen Gerrard has got to say that, you know, that he's not looking for excuses because he, he, you know, he can't look for excuses. And really, there are no excuses for the way that Rangers started that game last night. But at the same time, there was a, you know, a very, very kind of sombre, strange atmosphere. Um, And there had to be, I mean, you consider the, you know, the, the iconic person that Rangers have just lost. Um, you know, Rangers consider themselves to be a family. And for me, Walter Smith has been the head of that family for probably most of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly since the 80s when, when, when he arrived. And to me, he has been the biggest single figure um, at Rangers over all those years since he arrived with Graham Souness in, in 86. Um, so to lose him... Um, you know, it was a dreadful blow for everybody at the club and for it to happen just before a very important game. Then I, I do think that it would have had an effect on the players and on the management team. But it doesn't stop you from picking up Scott Brown at a corner to give him a free header to to put Aberdeen 2-0 up after 16 minutes. So he's absolutely right in that respect that he can't use that as an excuse. Because mm-hmm. Andy, I think back to uh, there was a game that uh, I was trying to think of, of sort of matches where there was such an emotionally charged atmosphere. The, only, the one that sprung to mind um, was 2011, the New Year um, Old Firm Derby at Ibrox, when it was the 40th anniversary of the Ibrox disaster, and it was obviously such a big thing, big occasion. Um, and I remember Celtic winning that game, and at the time. A lot of people sort of 
pointed to that. I can't remember. In fact, Watersmith was the manager that day. I can't remember if he even said that it maybe sort of drained. There was so much of the build-up centred around that. And I just wonder if it does drain you know, the players emotionally. Just, I mean, you even saw it yesterday. James Tavernier, Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor going out to, to lay the wreath at the John Gregg statue. You know, before the game, it's, it's Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor didn't even play. And Stephen Gerrard hinted that may have been the reason because they knew him best. Yeah. So could that, you know, drain the players a bit, do you think? I think so. I mean, from, you know, as much as Walter Smith has, hasn't been the manager of, uh, for Rangers for, you know, probably coming up a, a decade now, <laughs> He's he's still been such a well-known figure in the club, and we've seen images this week of of him at the training ground talking to Stephen Gerrard, Gary McAllister. The players, even though they weren't his players, you know, the, the guys that I've seen more more recently, will have known who he is, will have been aware of him, will aware of the stature he's he's held in at the club. So, I mean, that that will be a, a difficult thing for them to comprehend twenty four hours after after losing him. And when they've got to play a game of this magnitude, I think you know a, a lot of these times when you have situations like this, they, they become a celebration of somebody's life, and we've certainly seen a lot of that this week with, with the, the amazing tributes that have been paid to, to Walter Smith. But also, I think I don't think anyone at Rangers was prepared for this. I mean, we, we've all known, especially on our side of the business, we, we, we've known that. Um, Walter's not been well for, for a, a number of years now. Um, and obviously there was the news back in March um, that, that he went into the hospital and he had to have a, an operation. And, you know, even it was only last month we, we saw him at a golf day, pictured at a golf day, and it was it was so good to see him mm-hmm. uh, up and about and, and looking and looking well. So for this news to come, I just think it, it's really just sort of taking everyone by shock and, I think you saw you saw that at the, at the ground. You saw that with the tributes. Um, you know, there's been real grief around mm. around the Rangers support with this. I mean, mm. no one's been prepared for that. And I, I think you know, in terms of this playing squad, they're only human. There's been no doubt that it affected them too. And yeah, Stephen Gerrard's not using it as an excuse. And, and Davy's right. You know, that doesn't stop you. <laughs> you know, picking up Scott Brown at a corner, or you know, or, or getting a challenge in. Um, in the midfield, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this was this was to blame. But in saying that as well, this isn't the first time Rangers have dropped points at home this season. There's definitely been a, a sort of a downturn in that home form, which was so so strong last year. Yeah, David, the thing that shocked Andy touched on it there, but I think that was the thing that really shocked me when the news came through on Tuesday was that. I, I, like Andy says, we knew he'd been unwell. Obviously, in March, we knew he'd gone uh, undergo uh, went surgery. Um, but having seen him at that golf day, that that you know, although I, he, he, he certainly looked frail, but when you saw the pictures of him in the sort of golf buggy with Alex Ferguson and all that, I thought, well, at least he's on the mend. He's able to get out and about. And I think that was what kind of, that's what shocked me about it on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's basically what, what shocked everyone, Gab, was that I think we'd all hoped that he'd overcome the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for that news to come out, um, I think having listened to Ali McCoyst giving his very touching and very emotional tribute on the radio the other day, mm-hmm. I think the people who were truly close to Walter uh, maybe realised in the last week to 10 days that that things um, you know, weren't, weren't great. 
Um, but for the rest of us, and for the you know the Rangers support in general, I think it did come as 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 a big shock. And Andrew used the word grief, and that is actually what it is. It's it's a huge collective grief um, because I think Walter Smith, you know, um, as I said earlier, he was kind of probably the most important figure at Rangers Football Club over the last thirty or forty years, um, and and to lose him. Um, reasonably unexpectedly because as I say we did see those images of him at the golf day um, and I think everyone did think well you know hopefully um, you know he's 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 on the mend or his health has improved um, and then for for that to be announced clearly did uh, take everyone's breath away. Yeah I mean when they were announcing when the, when the Tannoy announcer was kind of rhyming off his achievements last night and, and it really put any context and says you know Rangers have won 55 titles and I think he had been involved in like I'm sure they said 13 that would be right 13 of them it's incredible and Tuesday night when I was listening to the phone-ins and all the tributes I was thinking back I mean I'm early 40s but when you think of Walter Smith's achievements Anybody around my age, I know you're maybe slightly older, Davey, Andy, you probably age roughly with me. Yeah, anybody... I'm going to say, on, <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry. Is it tomorrow? But what I was thinking was anybody who's sort of, of that age, um, whether you're a Rangers fan or not, Walter Smith, if you were a passionate football fan and you went to high school around, you know, in the 90s and you were getting into football, you know, Walter Smith, would have had some sort of influence. You know, if you were a Celtic fan, he was beating your team, you know, or if it was Aberdeen, if you're an Aberdeen fan, you know, it was the last day of the season. And if you were just a football fan, those Rangers Leeds United games, you know, you couldn't help but admire, you know, what the man did. I mean, can you just sum up, Davey, his achievements, you know? I think, well, there are are two parts to it. Um, There's the team he built in the 90s. which was just an incredible team. Mm-hmm. And I think Rangers fans will be forever grateful for Walter Smith bringing them, the likes of Paul Gascoigne and Brian Loudrop mm-hmm. to enjoy. Um, obviously, they, they, they did the, the nine in a row, uh, clinching that at Tannadice um, that night um, with Loudrop's header. Um, but for me, perhaps even the greater achievement was when he came back, mm-hmm. um, you know, to basically pull the club up by the bootlaces again when yeah. after uh, the Paul Lewin experiment went so badly wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and for Walter Smith to take that Rangers team in 2008 to a European final, yeah. it's an absolutely astonishing achievement yeah. because I was lucky enough to cover most of those games mm-hmm. um, and Rangers were second best in so many. I mean, the, 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 the night in Bremen, mm-hmm. they get absolutely battered. Mm-hmm. But Smith had installed in them a resilience, a game plan, and a belief that if they stuck to the game plan, they could beat teams who were better than them. And it did help that night that Alan McGregor made probably the best save I've ever seen live. Um, But, you know, for Rangers to get that team to a European final, absolutely incredible achievement. And for me, that was was as as big an achievement as anything that, that Walter Smith did at Ibrox. Yeah. And I think I think Davies hit the nail on the head because see first time around, um, first time around at Rangers, you know the accusations thrown at him 
was that he bought elite titles because obviously they did outspend Celtic and the rest of their rivals. That was one accusation. And apart from the 92-93 season, the other accusation was that they underachieved in Europe. And when he came back the second time, he answered both of those because he didn't have all the money he spent. And, and laterally, well, that was when they were heading towards the kind of financial crisis. So they hardly spent. I think Edu, for a long time, was the last player that they'd paid money for for a long time. And then, of course, as Davy said, they did it in Europe. Um, incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, I just uh, I was at school when Walter was uh, in charge first time round. And, you know, I do remember he did get, towards the latter stages of his, his first spell, he did get a bit of stick because of performances in Europe. You know, people, I mean, I, I remember the, a lot of accusations about him being not not up to it tactically and i think david's absolutely right when you saw him coming back the second time around nobody could absolutely could doubt his, his tactical acumen when he, when he came back around because to take that group of players all the way to manchester in 2008 was an incredible feat and um, i think the thing that really stands out for me about what we've seen this week in terms of the tributes has been not just the people paying homage to his, his abilities as a football man mm-hmm. as a football manager but what he was like as, as a as a person you guys will know before better than me i, I presume um walter had sort of stepped down from uh, his post at rangers before i sort of started covering the uh, coming on to the rangers beat um it was a couple of years afterwards when when ali was alan mccoy was in charge that, that i sort of uh, started covering the club in depth mm-hmm. but the amount of things you hear from guys on our side of the industry and players i mean that um it's just what an incredible man he was what a an incredible human being, father, husband, um, friend to all these people. I had, I, I spoke to to Richard Goff on Tuesday, and it was, I mean, I only had him on the phone for five or six minutes, and it was one of the most difficult interviews I've ever had to conduct. And mm-hmm. um, he, he was, you know, holding back tears the whole the whole time I was on the phone. And I didn't want to keep him too long, just because I knew it was such a difficult day. But he, he spoke so warmly, and it was incredible with Richard Goff. And his association with Walter Smith, it was like he knows him. He'd known him for forty-one years throughout his whole. You know, I think it was a twenty-one-year playing career. They were only really apart for two and a half years. Yeah. Couple of couple of spells in America, and he spell at Spurs. Um, the rest of the time, either at Dundee United or, or at Ibrox, or, and then latterly at Everton. Um, they, they were they were working um, together hand in hand, and I think when you hear the testimony of the people that knew him closest that, that just sums up what he was all about and why why you've seen that outpouring of grief this week this isn't just a guy who was a you know a winner on the football pitch he was you know a salt of the earth you know genuinely brilliant human being and i think that's why um the the, the grief we've seen this 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 week has been so stark yeah. David, you would maybe be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, the thing was, in his first spell as manager, I mean, he stepped up, you know, obviously from having been Graham Souness' assistant, so it was his first job as a, as a manager in his own right, uh, and there were times probably when maybe when they failed in Europe when he was under pressure, but he was still a manager, rel- fairly young, you know, in managerial terms, trying to kind of prove himself. I think the big difference that I noticed, but you second time around was just how much he'd mellowed and he was much more relaxed because I think maybe in those early days he was maybe quite prickly with the media and things like that because he probably was under pressure but he'd less to prove when he came back 
the second time around. It was much more relaxed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was certainly more relaxed, but there was always an, an edge to Walter that you mm-hmm. you always knew that you could take it to uh, so far and then know any further than that because it did. It, it gave you that stare. It did mm-hmm. have, you know, um, the word order has been used a lot this week, and, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it was. When Walter Smith walked into a room, it could be a room of 150 people. You would know he was in the room, and there's very, very few human beings that I've come across in my life is like that. Yeah. Um, but the underlying thing with, with Walter Smith for me was that although he was he could be quite a stern character at times, there was a there was a warmth there. There was also a really, really wicked dry sense of humour. Um, just I'll, I'll give just a wee quick example. Um, like after he went to Everton, I this isn't a, an example of sense of humour, it's more a kind of just, just his decency. Uh, after he went to Everton, I phoned him and asked if I could come down and, and do an interview with him. He'd been in the job three or four months or something, and he said, aye, that's fine, on, on you come. I went down fully expecting, it was a miserable day, drove down the rain and blah, 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 and I was fully expecting that um, I would get 45 minutes with him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had four hours with him. He took me to the training ground, he took me about Goodison, sat in his office, had a cup of tea, had a bit of lunch. And he was absolutely brilliant. And it wasn't just talking about football. You know, he talked about music, he was talking about, and he was just, uh, you know, movies as well. Um, it, it was just so relaxed and, and I actually got a, maybe a bigger and better insight into Walter Smith, the man, that day than I did in all the time that he was at Ibrox. And maybe yeah. it was just simply because he was away from the the kind of constant pressure of being yeah. the Rangers manager. The one thing that did stick out to me was that he told me what he, he realised very quickly within the first couple of weeks at Everton, the biggest difference for him was that if they went to a Derby County or somewhere like that and got a one each draw, everybody was happy. And he said that just like is completely out with anything that he'd ever experienced, obviously at Ibrox, where a one each draw against anybody is an absolute crisis. Yeah. Um, and he said that that actually, like going away from home and getting a point is a good result in England. And he told me that that was the biggest thing that he was having difficulty yeah. around because for him, didn't matter where he was, if you're drawing a game of football, you're not winning a game of football, it's no good enough. So, um, so- I was going to say that's brilliant. I was going to say we've all seen the the the, the Chick Young interview that's kind of this week, and I remember when Rangers lost. Remember they lost home and away to Juventus. They were thumped four one away, and they were thumped yeah. four nil at home. And that was around the time he was getting criticised for his performances in Europe. And I remember he was asked. I'm sure it was after the home game against Juventus. Well, what was the problem in Europe? They said we don't win enough effing games. Can't argue with that. No. But as you say, uh, David, a uh, draw is, you know, a hugely damaging result in the world of, of, of the old firm. Rangers did draw on Wednesday night, obviously the 2-2. They never got the win that they wanted to on the night that they paid tribute to Walter Smith. Now, they could go to Motherwell on Sunday lunchtime, trailing Celtic if Celtic win on the Saturday it's quite a turnaround, isn't it? And as Rangers have been sluggish in some of their performances, it's always been with well, the top of the league and don't worry too much. When do alarm bells start ringing? Or are they? Oh, I think that they're, they're clanging very loudly at the moment, or they should be. Um, you know, I mean, they've dropped, what, six points at home now this season? Three draws? Yep, three draws. Um, yeah. Um, that's, you know, if... if 
if they're looking to to win the league, which clearly they are, then that needs to improve. You cannot keep dropping points at home. Um, and although they've been digging out results away from home, haven't been entirely convincing there either. Um, mm. I think that's the next round of games. That's the, that's the first 11 games done. Yeah. The next 11 games, I think that they've got lots of really tough away games. I think they go to Celtic, Aberdeen, Hibs, uh, Hearts, even Motherwell on Saturday. Um, uh, Dundee United, who are, who are going well. No, sorry, they played Dundee United away, um, so so they're, they're not involved in that. But there are a number of really, really tough away fixtures coming up um, in the next round of games. And, you know, they they can't be ignoring the fact that Celtic have picked up a bit of form and mm-hmm. look as if they're, they're going to mount a credible challenge, which obviously wasn't there last season. So yeah. that will also apply the pressure to Rangers, I think. Yeah, Andy, I mean, one of the stats that that has been trotted out since last night, uh, and it's quite startling, is that Rangers have conceded uh, the opening goal on eight occasions this season. Now, now I think that's all competitions. When you consider that they only conceded 13 in the league in the entirety of last season, it's incredible, isn't it? What's happened with the defence? The amount of times... That you f- you find that Stephen Gerrard's had to run at half time and issue a sort of waking up call. I mean, in terms of strikers, I mean, he, you know, he had to tell sort of Morelos three times last week to basically sharpen up. That was a month after having done it after the the Motherwell game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There just seems to be a sluggishness, um, a lethargy about the team at times. They just you know they they've really struggled to maintain. A performance throughout the 90 minutes. We've obviously seen spells, you know, the first half against Motherwell, the first half against um, Hearts little week where they looked really good. But then, you know, St Mirren, they, they laboured through the win there, obviously falling behind to Conor Ronan's wonder goal last weekend. And then last night, you know, you know, just not starting well and, and, and getting yourself punished early doors and, you know, 2-0 down, you know, you do well to, to salvage a point from that 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 uh, from that position. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I'm sure if Stephen Gerrard knew what the issue was, he'd be trying to fix it. Um, it just seems it's just seems bizarre. I mean, I, I do think that there there has to be a part of what happened last year with such yeah. an emotional high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting that first title win in a decade, and, and I think it's only natural that you're always going to have some level of. You know, dip after that. But I also think you know, you know, the, the team's another year older. So certainly, the the sort of the, the more veteran members of it um, does look like to me that there's going to have to be some sort of revamp of the squad um, come the summer. Um, guys out of contract, guys that are again, you know, just perhaps losing form, um, struggling to get into the team. And, you know, there's also going to probably be guys that will need to be sold given given their own contract situations. Guys like you know, you know, you're looking at I think it's Aribo, Kamar. You no, know, I think Kamar's got another year, but you know, Morelos. Come the summer, these are the sort of guys that'll have a year left in their contracts. You get if you can't get them tied down, you get big decisions to make in the summer. So it's going to be a huge, a huge, huge period come the end of the season for for Stephen Gerrard and. I just think you know, as, as all that is sort of coming together at the moment, you know, things just just not as sort of slick as they were last year. It's, it's it'll be a concern for the management. David, that's what Neil McCann's always very honest in his assessment, and and you know, I mean, he, he didn't really mince his words in terms of saying that it's, it's a slump in terms of the form, um, and basically saying that 
opposition teams. You can see how Aberdeen got the first goal last uh, on, on Wednesday night, uh, um, you know, pressing the fullbacks and all that, and then pressuring them, then they concede possession. But it's happened on a few occasions, and he's, he's saying that, you know, other teams have worked out a way to play. You know, Rangers had a system that worked so well last season, but the other teams have worked out now. Is, is, is it now up to Gerard and the coaching staff to be a bit more flexible and, and work out other systems and... I'm quite sure that they must be working on alternative ways to get around this. Um, you know, if teams are pressing them high up the pitch, as obviously St Mirren did in the first 25 minutes, and they, they, they were terrific at the weekend mm. against Rangers. Um, but there's also got to be a realisation that teams cannot maintain that kind of intensity for 90 minutes. And obviously St Mirren blew themselves out, um, and Rangers eventually took control of that game, and I think they won it reasonably comfortably, to be honest with you, although you know, 2 1 might not suggest that. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me, but um, I just think that there is a, a lack of focus. Like last season, they were absolutely laser light focused on keeping clean sheets, winning games, and winning that title. Yeah. I think the focus has slipped this season. There's um, you know, there's a few strange things going on. Never quite got to grips with the whole Alan McGregor situation. Why, why they're dipping him in and out the team? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, that's not to say John McLaughlin's not a good goalkeeper because he is a good goalkeeper. But you know, there's that situation. Obviously, there's the you know losing Havander is a huge blow because it means that he's having to play Balogun every week. And I think Balogun was a player last season that actually benefited from being rested every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that also comes down to the recruitment because Jack Simpson was brought in as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest with you, it hasn't looked as if he's capable of being a Rangers player. Yeah. Um, so they're having to go with Balogun every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also absolutely fascinated with the, um, the, the Ryan Jack situation and Ryan Kent for that matter. Um, yeah. Both of them injured. Um, I think that Ryan Jack's now been out since March, and every time Stephen Gerrard gets asked about it, it seems to be he'll be back in seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the old Jordan Rossiter one. It's absolutely crucial with Andy because, as you know, we all know Ryan Jack is an absolutely essential part of that Rangers machine when it's in full working order. Um, and I think he's been it's huge. Never, it's never looked like they've had control of a game. Since he's no, exactly. there's never been a spell where you thought Rangers are yeah. for a few ninety minutes are in control of a game. There's always yeah. a spell where you think yeah. they will look vulnerable at one point or another, and that was always something that Ryan Jack was very good at, sort of snuffing out, sniffing out yeah. those those moments of threat and just giving you control, control midfield, control of the tempo. Yeah, and you know that's. But I think that's the big concern this season is that they've always at one point, you know, against if you're an opposition manager, you know, at one point you, you'll get a chance because they have yeah. these lapses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And also, you know, like the Ryan Kent situation as well. Like, I mean, Gerard said when he went out injured, he will be back at the end of the international break. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we've now played three or four games since the last international break. There's another one coming up next month, and there doesn't seem to be any sign of him. And yeah. Um, although his forum wasn't sensational, um, he still gives Rangers something in the, the forward area that nobody else can give them. And uh, he's been it another big He pins them back. I mean, I think that's teams know right now that they can they can push up on them because they don't Rangers at the moment don't really have that 
threat of pace and behind that yes. defences and keeps them deep. Right now, they, they know they can they can press Rangers because they're not going to just bomb a, a ball over the top of them and, and go in behind. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's something that's adding into this sort of stale feeling about the place. Mm-hmm. And Andy, um, in terms of the penalty, which obviously earned Rangers the point um, against Aberdeen, there seems to be real split opinion here. Um, I think James McFadden and Shelley Kerr said it was a penalty. Other pundits saying no. What did you think? I think they kind of a lot of people are saying, well, on first uh, the first angle, they didn't think it was, but then when you reviewed it, yes, I think David Bates gets the wrong side of Sakala. Uh, and the other thing that was key for me was that David Bates didn't seem to complain, although neither did Sakala appear to claim for it. But what what do you think? Penalty or no penalty? Uh, soft. I think I think if you ask Rangers fans what would their reaction have been if that was given against them. Yeah. That'll probably be the best indicator of of feeling yeah. on it. Um, I I don't I don't think there was an awful lot, and I, I know there is a a, a shirt pull um, just before the actual coming together of them, where where Sakala then hits the ground. But um, uh, you know, if I was Stephen Glass, I think I'd be pretty unhappy with that decision. Um, you know, I didn't it didn't seem to me that there was an awful lot in it. Yeah. Yeah, well, Stephen Glass wasn't happy about it. We can go by his post-match comments, right? Just finally, guys, you were at Fur Park, weren't you, Andy? Um, yeah, yeah, it was um, tremendous. Uh, you know, the the minute silence is observed impeccably um, before the game. I see there's a lot of respect across the country for Walter Smith. That was that was nice to see. Yeah, and you're going back on Sunday, um, so just before you go. Give me a, each give me a score prediction for Motherwell Rangers on Sunday lunchtime. Uh, 2-1 Rangers. 2-1 Rangers. Davey? I was going to say 2-1 Rangers, so but I'll go 3-1 Rangers. 3-1 Rangers. Okay, so they're going to find their shooting boots finally. Right, guys, thanks a lot uh, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time out and um, we'll maybe speak to you again next week. Thank you.